It's really early, guys. A little bit. Just that, nah, just a little bit. I'm a little tired. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good, morning. <laughs> good to see you guys. Good to see you guys. As, as my dad would say, it's good to see your smiling face. Oh. Even though it's not smiling. I'm, I'm literally okay, smiling now right smiling. now. I was smiling the whole time. <laughs> there you are. Welcome well, to the Rooted. Our faces are behind the mics. You can't really That's see. That's true. Welcome to the Rooted and Logos podcast. Something I was thinking about when I was listening. <laughs> wow. People have, like, when they're listening, they have no clue how we're arranged when we're sitting. Because, like, it doesn't sound like we're all, you know what I mean? Like, it sounds like we're all sitting in the same place because it comes from the mic. Yeah, we we sit really <laughs> close together, faces mushed together, and just talk into one microphone. That's actually that's mic, that's what yeah. we do. That's true. Yeah, that's we're true. very close. No, but like it doesn't sound like we're in different places. <laughs> like I could be in Nebraska right now, and no one would know. Well, that's true. I mean, when we interviewed John, he was in Virginia. In Virginia, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, yeah, that went pretty well. I think it sounded great. I'm gonna try this for a third time. Welcome to the Rooted and Logos <laughs> podcast. My name is Brad. I'm joined as always by two of. Arguably the coolest people, at least in the Midwest. At least. At least. Yeah. May- maybe this side of the Mississippi. You uh, said two. I, do I you can, not consider I yourself? I do not consider myself. Oh, wow. Carter. He's humble. Sorry. Huh? Carter. Say hi, Carter. Oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> and not Evan. Evan's not here. What? Austin. Whoa. Austin, <laughs> I had a moment. I'm sorry. I don't be. know. I had a moment. I, I don't... I, I mean, have I been here since the beginning? Let's start that over. <laughs> no, you don't get no, a pass no. on that. No, we're keeping it. You don't get a pass on that. Austin. <laughs> hey, guys. Austin you can cut out me coughing. I have a problem. That. Last week, you said you'd cut something out, and it's still in there. I know, because it was really funny. Well, just keep okay, in mind, all this was, is probably going to still be yeah, in Yeah, but it was you saying, okay, I'll cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so we're uh, Romans chapter 2 yeah, today. Yeah, Romans chapter 2. We got a lot of great feedback from Romans chapter 1, so we appreciate that uh, yes, very much. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. That somehow not canceled. Help, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. We are still on the air, so it just means we're not we're not big enough yet. That's what that means. So we can say what we want. Yeah. Right. But then in 10 years, we'll be held accountable for it. Oh, for sure. That. Yeah. I'm okay with that, as long as we're speaking truth. <laughs> <laughs> so today is going to be Romans chapter 2. Um, it is, I read this, you know, throughout the week, and it's a, it's a good, it's a good chapter. It's, it's, it's a yeah. pretty tough, pretty, uh, pretty intense thing, but we're going to try and dive into it here and, and spend a little bit going through each verse and, and going through each little section here, just kind of see what God has to say to us through Paul. And uh, we'll go from there. So, I, I, there were two kind of themes that I looked at for Romans two, and and the first one was just about self righteousness, and and how that results in God's judgment, and then uh, religious hypocrisy. So, and, and it confuses ethnicity with acceptance by God, and so he he gets into some of the Jewish, the Jew versus Greek a little bit uh, toward the end of chapter two, and. Uh, it talks about self-righteousness and how we are not to judge others harshly while we're doing exactly what they're doing, and, and we'll talk about that for sure. I do want to start real quick by saying I apologize for how uh, uh, stopped up I sound today. It's extra nasally, I think. I'm always a little nasally, but extra nasally today. I have decided to uh, not be able to breathe for the last four days. So It was a hard decision. It was a tough decision, but I felt like the right one to make. Uh Nose is running, sneezing. Just like the refrigerator. Better go catch it. Better go catch it. Oh my <laughs> I'm, I might just leave. I'm, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> See, what, Brad can tell the dumb jokes, but I can't. <laughs> no, it's not even that. He's a dad. He should have these dad jokes and appreciate the dad uh-huh. jokes that are that are said. 
he's the only dad in this room. It's true. It is true. Yeah. I I did I knew I don't I don't subscribe to dad jokes much. <laughs> I have a couple. Okay. Well, well, never mind. I never. was gonna say one. Never mind. Whatever. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Let's get into Romans chapter two. Austin, get us going. All right, we're gonna start. Romans chapter two, verse one. Therefore, you have no. You know what? No. Let's. It's it's a letter, right? So we're gonna pick up from mm-hmm. Romans chapter one, verse thirty-two, and then we'll move into chapter two. So, verse thirty-two. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same thing. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judges those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who, by patience, and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil. The Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good. The Jew first, and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent, because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law, for it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is a circumcision outward and physical. 
<laughs> but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Romans 2. Right. You just gave We're me done. those verses because it says circumcision and uncircumcision like 5,000 <laughs> times. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, guys. So let's start just back up at the beginning. Um, yeah. Therefore, you have no excuse, O oh man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same thing. What I liked about this is how in chapter one, it's listing all like the sins and stuff. And pe- the self-righteous people are like, well, that can't be me. And then in this chapter, he turns and looks at all those people and says, no, this is you too. Mm-hmm. And saying that we are, we can't judge because we do the same things. Well, and, and what is this? What judgment is this looking at? God's this is... Yeah, God's righteous judgment, which would be basically final judgment. It, there, there's two of them. There, there's the final judgment, which, which he's saying, we do not have the right to judge. That's back when Jesus says, don't judge lest you be judged, talking about that final judgment. Mm-hmm. But it's also talking about that hypocrisy, talking about that judging someone for what they're doing, but you're doing the exact same thing. Or... You're doing something like it, and you're justifying what you're doing because it's not exactly what the other person is doing. Well, and you look at how he ended chapter one, because again, there were no chapter divisions, no no breaks. It was just a, a flow, you know, a letter that flowed from start to finish. And so you look at the end of chapter one, and he's listing out these sins and this this life of decadence that those in Greece, in, in the Greek world, in the Roman Empire, have come to enjoy. And these sins that they have come to practice on a regular basis. So you got evil, covetousness, malice, envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decrees that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And so that's a direct continuation where it sounds like those, he makes it personal. He makes it individual to the reader. So this has become, hey, you are speaking out against the things I just listed, yet you're doing the same things. And you're condemning those who are doing those things, yet you're doing them too. So you may not gossip, but you disobey your parents. You may not be a murderer, but you lie. And so I think it's, very important to understand that when we start condemning the behaviors of others, we look inwardly first and we say, what am I dealing with? What am I struggling with? Yeah, definitely. And, and also the difference to uh, the judgment, because we've talked about this before, the, the judgment that us as believers are supposed to have with fellow believers versus with unbelievers. It, he, it says, we are not to judge those in the world. That is, that is for God. But we are to judge our fellow believers to keep each other accountable. Brad, I'm, I'm to judge you. I'm, I'm supposed to be able to look at your life and say, hey, Brad, there are things going on in your life that are not resembling Christ. Um, what can I do to help you with that? Not just, hey, Brad, you're a sinner. You're going to hell. No, it's, how can I help you? But you likewise for me saying, hey, Austin, I've seen this as well. But of course, it goes back to, of course, what does Christ say? You're wanting to take out the splinter in your your buddy's eye, but yet you have a log in your eye. 
It's like, well, no, you need to you need to remove the log out of your eye so that you can see clearly enough to help your brother with his splinter. So I think it's why in verse two he says, "We know, we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things." It is a universal truth among believers that these things are wrong. That this list that he laid out at the end of chapter one is are things that are against God, are things that we don't need to do and don't need to practice as believers. And so it's universal that we know these things. And I think so much today, especially in the West, we think of conviction and beliefs and, and how we act is, is a personal, individual thing, right? right? Well, only God can judge me. Only God can tell me that this is wrong. Well, not really. There's a universal knowledge that these things are wrong. Yeah. And it is our duty as believers to see these issues within ourselves, but also amongst other believers, like you just said, be able to say, hey... This isn't lining up, brother. Well, and like you're talking about in chapter one, universal, or not universal, sorry, natural, natural revelation. Uh, these people that have gotten maybe some of that natural rev- revelation and they have some set of morals. It, it's interesting, reading through chapter one, say if that was preached from the pulpit or someone who was an unbeliever heard it, but they have some set of moral code, they would hear that and be like, oh yeah, oh yeah, if there's a God... Then, yeah, he will definitely judge those people because, oh, yeah, those are those are awful people. Or even in the church, that's the chapter that, you know, it's talking about the worldly sin. So you're you're all you're all up on it. You're like, yeah, yeah, we agree. And then the next week, pastor comes with chapter two and starts talking about you. And you're like, mm, no, I don't, mm. let's go back to chapter one. I'm I'm not a big fan of this one. Just talking about me. <laughs> and, I, and that's what it is. It's talking yeah. about like, verse three. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God, the judgment of God for judging the people that it is not your judge, your job to judge it, that. That should hit home to every single one of us. If you're a proclaiming Christian, we need to be very aware of this. Because it it can be very easy to do this. This isn't talking about that worldly judge that everyone talks about. Like, oh, he's judging me because he doesn't like my shoes. No, no. (laughs) I am judging you because I really dislike that shirt you're wearing, but it's fine. We both have U of L on it. It's ridiculous. House. Mine's different. It's it's you know, not. It's Louisville soccer. Mine's not even a sport. Nobody actually it's just cares the city about Louisville, Louisville soccer. I mean, I can <laughs> I can agree with that, but I mean, I I agree with that because I don't go to, into Louisville if I can help it. Okay, but the shirt was three dollars. Why would I pass up on that? Oh, that's fine. That's cool. <laughs> exactly. Use it as a as a anyway. Back to judging or something. Yeah, I'm judging. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, yeah, Brad. Well, that wasn't my fault. That was the dog. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> what am I talking about? The judgment of shoes. Judgment of shoes. Yeah. It's in here. That worldly judgment. So just to say one more thing about verse three, I think in this context, Paul, it's very humbling. Paul's trying to humble the reader because he's saying, you know, you, you think, you suppose you reason that you are better than some of these people. You are better than these people you were judging. And in reality, you're not. He's telling his readers to, to be careful. You deserve hell just like the next guy you deserve eternal punishment just just like the guy you're sitting next to just like the guy that's not a believer just like the guy who is a believer but is not walking in faith right now or or whatever you all deserve this judgment you deserve this wrath so calm down 
know your role, know your place, and stop being so harsh with those who are struggling with sin. Yeah. Yeah, again, leading into for it, it, talking about the riches of his kindness, the forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. It's supposed to convict you. It's supposed to show you that, oh man, what I'm, what I did was wrong. Lord God, please forgive me. You repent for it. You don't just presume. You don't presume on his riches. So saying, oh well. Yeah, I messed up. But, you know, God's grace, you know. Well, and, and you don't mistake his kindness for weakness. Right. And, and his kindness for permission. Mm-hmm. This permission to sin. I mean, we, we see it when Paul says, so what then? Should we continue sinning so grace can abound? No. We don't mistake his grace, his weakness, or his grace or his kindness as weakness or permission. Verse 5. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Impenitent, unrepentant heart. You have an unrepentant heart. Impenitent. Not feeling shame or regret about one's actions or attitudes. Yeah, so that is very important. That is definitely something to keep aware of. Verse 6, He will render to each one according to his works. Now, again, we've gone through and we've read through Scripture it is not based on works, right? It is the free gift of God. But with those works that God will set in front of you, if you do not do them, he will render to each one according to his works. Well, and, and just like God's kindness leads to repentance, what does repentance lead to? Behavior change. Mm, it should. Actions change, yeah. right? Yeah. Like your physical actions will change if you repent. So if I fully and and completely repent from pushing Carter down the stairs multiple times, I will stop pushing Carter down the stairs. My actual action of pushing him down the stairs will stop. Why are we back to this? (laughs) It's a great example. It's a great, it's a good example. Well, it's, it's the repentance, right? Right. It's you true. You are convicted. The Holy spirit within you convicts you saying this is wrong. And you're like, Oh my goodness, this is wrong. And you have that change. And you're like, I, I physically cannot do this anymore. And that's where the change happens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not going to be perfect. You're, you're going to, you know, maybe in a few months, I might decide to push Carter down the stairs again and, and just, you know, in a moment of weakness, because we're going to have these moments of weakness even after we're true repentance. It's, it's going to happen because we're, we're sinful. We're sheep. We're not smart. All right. We are not capable of just not sinning. Period. Like, to just stop. We're not capable of that. Wait, what? <laughs> right? <laughs> Newsflash? Wait, what? Right. Yeah. So, understand that there, there is a balance of, yes, I am under God's grace, and that is comforting, because I know that I can't live up to the standard on my own, and I won't live up to this standard, this side of heaven, but also understand that He demands perfection, and I need to strive for that. And it doesn't give you permission to keep going on with what you're doing. Exactly. There has to be the change. There has to be a switch. <clears throat> and ultimately, ultimately, he knows your heart. He knows your desire. He knows your desire to stop doing this and start doing that. He knows that desire. Yeah. And he knows if that is truly what you want. So verse 7. To those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. So, it, for those who are seeking glory and honor, immortality being what? 
the end of the age, heaven. He will give eternal life. Those who believe and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, he will give you eternal life. Verse 8. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. In Roman, in verse 7, he he's talking about people who are dwelling in God's blessing because they seek what they what he offers on his terms, right? They they aren't trying to use God as a vending machine. They're not trying to what they want, make life easy. They're there's they are seeking his blessing and, and attempting to receive his blessing on his terms. They are being obedient to what he says to do. So it's really important to understand that it's it's these blessings that God has for us, is the eternal life, immortality. We can't earn that. We 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 talk about this. We talk about this constantly. We talk about this every week, really. I've never heard it. You never heard it? I've never heard him say it. <laughs> we cannot earn we cannot earn these blessings. We cannot earn his favor. He gives it to us freely. And we need to understand that the people he's talking about here are those who understand that concept. They grasp that concept and they seek to live by his standards and do things his way, not ours. Right. Well, and something interesting too is the eternal life. Every single person ever will witness eternal life. It's just a matter of where you're going to live your eternal life, in hell or in heaven. So, um, yeah, keep that in mind, too. <laughs> there will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. So, there will be tribulation. There will be... Consequences for your consequences, sin. Consequences, yeah. yeah. And... And even just looking at everyday life, tribulations, and that not just not talking about revelation tribulation, but just everyday things, you know, everyone's going to encounter them, the believer, the unbeliever. It's just a matter of life. It is a consequence of sin being in the world. Oh, and we, we cause our own tribulation too, right? By the, oh, yeah. By the dumb stuff we do. <laughs> Stupid stuff we do, and yeah. People often try to reason it as, well, God would want me to have fun. He wouldn't want me to just be bored all the time. And it's like, I mean, if what you're doing is evil and it's not the truth and you're seeking the unrighteous like it says, then no, he would not. He absolutely <laughs> would not want you to be doing that because you're going to be deserving of hell then. Yeah. Well, I, he I, he wants you to seek his mm-hmm. will. Right. And it says that there will be wrath. Like they just think that there is no wrath, and he's just like always giving stuff, always letting you do whatever you want. He's a vending but, machine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go for for what you want when you want it. But like, I, that would be the worst because like that's not true love if they're not if he's not going to discipline us. Yeah. So. Well, and it, and it uh, scripture talks about if basically if you do not discipline your your kids, you hate them. Mm-hmm. You hate them. It says hate them. So. Discipline is good. It yeah. means it means he loves us. Well, and you you see that in parenting. I, I saw that you know through some of the work I've done with with foster kids and and just in, in group home settings and, and things where the the staff or the parent they respected the most is the one who held them accountable and and, and were tough on. Them. So I had a situation at the group home where a kid got really upset 
we had to restrain him because he was going to hurt himself. He was going to try to go after other people. And in the midst of all this, he legitimately spit right on my face, like purposefully just spit spit on me. A couple days later, he was meeting with his caseworker and his potential adoptive parents. And they asked him, so, we'll just call him Bobby. So, Bobby, who's your favorite staff member? And Bobby goes, Mr. Brad. And his caseworker kind of looked at him and goes, isn't that who you spit on a couple days ago? Isn't that the guy you just, you know, you bit and you uh, oh kind of fought for a little while? And Bobby was like, yeah, you know. But uh, it's because I held him accountable for his actions. And on top of that, he had the consequences for whatever actions he did towards staff. It wasn't just me. He liked, you know, he obviously liked other staff, but they wanted to, you know, see have the parent give the parents a perspective from when he freaks out because he hadn't freaked out with him yet. Gotcha. gotcha. But I held him accountable. He had the consequences. The consequences were consistent. But also the next day, it was the next day. Yesterday doesn't matter. What you did to me yesterday, that's fine. And kids need that. We need that. That's how God treats us is like, okay, yeah, you, you kind of messed this up. You didn't do what I needed you to do, what I asked you to do. And here's the consequence. This consequence might last a while, but also it's over. It's done. Let's move on. I think that's a powerful example parent between parenting and, and God, that, that just that kind of correlation of yeah. like, hey, uh, this consequence may last you for a long time, but I love you. And let's move on. Yeah. Well, and, and it says there's no partiality. You know, looking at the Jews and the Greeks, the Jews were God's chosen people. The Greeks were this Hellenistic, just awful people. And the, uh, there's whenever when he's going to judge them, there's no difference. For him, there's no, oh, you're my favorite, so I, let's, let's push you through. And then when the Greek comes, it's like, oh, yeah, no, you did all this. Let's look at every single piece. No, he, he's going to look at every single one of us the exact same way with the exact same measure. He does not show favorite. He does not show favoritism, and he we will be judged the same way. When you say that God, that the Jews are God's chosen people, it, it obviously that's true. We mm-hmm. see that throughout the entirety of Scripture, but it also means that's how God chose to redeem mankind, yeah. and not just redeem the Jewish people, redeem mankind, all ethnicities, every knee, every tongue, every tribe, every nation. Through the Jewish community, and that's where the law came, and that that's where, you know, Christ came through the Jew, Jewish community. But he did it for every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. Oh, what does it say in Genesis when he's talking to Abraham? He's like, "I will bless nations from the nation that comes from you," and we've seen that. Uh, okay, quick story. Uh, there was uh, the, the way I look at America. Okay, the way we have been blessed, it came from the Jewish people. Now, you might be like, uh, okay, 1770, well, let's go back further. 1748, there's a man by the name born of, I, I believe, Hawel or Hamel Solomon. He lived up to about 1785 or 84, something like that. In 1776, this, this Jewish man, he was a Jewish broker, he went throughout America. He went to every Jewish family he could possibly find. He crossed the puddle, went to Europe, 
and he went to every Jewish family he could possibly find. He raised, in 1776, $1 million, and he came back and gave it to George Washington. Now, a little bit of perspective, a million dollars back then is probably close to about 30 to $40 million today. With that money, George Washington was able to buy the clothes, the boots, the ammunition, the weapons that they needed. And what most people don't know is some of that money he was able to use to barter for the ships that France sent. And because of those ships, we won the war. So I would argue that because of this man, Samuel, and the Jewish people, we're America today because of that contribution, because they blessed us that way. And then looking forward, America was the first one to declare that Israel is a sovereign nation. And just the what we've seen the past four years, I it's been awesome. So God said, through Israel, he will bless many nations. God blessed us through Israel, and now we are blessing them. So it is very important. Well, we were. We were. Not anymore. But that's... Different topic. Different topic. That's a... Mm, uh, don't, <laughs> don't get me started this morning. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Verse 12. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who are justified. So now we're getting into getting into the old Jewish law that that especially the Jewish people at the time were so focused on still. They hadn't fully grasped this idea that they are no longer under the law. The law doesn't redeem, the law shows our need for redemption. And they didn't fully understand that yet. And that that's where this starts. That's where this is going. Oh, and it's it's the Gentiles who never had the opportunity to know God's moral law will be judged on their disobedience in relation to their limited knowledge versus being judged by the law. It's the Jews and many Gentiles who had access to God's moral law will be accountable for their greater knowledge. It's the more you know, later it talks about, you know, then you who teach others, do you not teach yourselves? When you teach other other people, when you start learning these things, you start learning more of these laws, you start having this knowledge, you are going to be held accountable for that knowledge, for those things that you teach, because now you know them, versus those who do not. That is why those who teach will incur a harsher judgment, because they know more than the rest of everyone right. else. They have that knowledge of what's right and wrong. They have that knowledge of what God's standard is. And, and it's interesting that he moves forward and talks about the Gentiles, who says, who do not have the law. So they obviously didn't, they weren't under Abraham's covenant. They weren't under Moses' law. But they, by nature, do what the law requires. They are, they are a law to themselves, even though they don't have it. So that goes back to what we've talked about previously in, in a, few, a few different episodes, where we all have a general sense of right and wrong. Right, we we're all born with this idea of, yeah, you know what? Maybe taking things that aren't mine isn't isn't correct. Isn't isn't right? It's it's wrong to steal. It's wrong to take an innocent life. It's wrong to kill. It's wrong to murder. So, that's exactly what Paul's talking about here. Is that even the Gentiles who didn't have the law to understand their need for a savior, they still had a general understanding of right and wrong. 
Yeah. Yeah, general knowledge. It's written on their hearts. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. Verse 13, talking about hearers and doers. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. So, as it says, do not just be hearers of the word, but doers. You need to hear it. Uh, We need to be hearers, every single one of us. We need to hear. We need to listen to it. But then we need to do it. Those who do the law will be justified. Well, it goes, again, this overarching theme. It's head knowledge versus heart knowledge. It's, I understand the law. I know it. I hear it. But I don't do anything with it. All right, so verse 15. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. So yeah, it either accuses you or it excuses you, right? If you are doing what you're supposed to be doing, they're not necessarily giving you an excuse, but it excuses you because you are doing what you're supposed to be doing. And therefore, in verse 13, but the doers of the law will be justified. Well, and this alludes back to that general revelation, that general knowledge of we all have a general idea of God, that there is something that we need to worship. There is something out there bigger than ourselves. We, of course, know that that is Yahweh, that is the one true God. And so they have this idea, and and they know that there is a God, but they still either reject it, which would be they, they accuse, so they reject it, so it accuses them, or they accept that, and they start searching for God. And again, we talked about this last week, maybe two weeks ago, I don't remember, <laughs> um, that when when someone acknowledges there has to be a God, they will then get an opportunity to hear the gospel. God God will will present present them an opportunity to hear the truth. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about here. This idea that once you realize there is something bigger out there, you will have the opportunity to hear the truth of who that is, and then you either accept or reject. And you you either excuse or accuse, right? Either way, they bear guilt based on the law-like innate knowledge of God's righteous standards that is common to humanity. Hmm. So either way, they will bear guilt. Yeah, well, and then with that underlying guilt, what what does it say? Verse 16, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Secrets, what is that? So this primarily refers to the motives that lie behind men's actions. When you do something, but you have a motive behind what you did, but it is not pronounced. It is not forthcoming. Okay, you uh, you give this $20 to the homeless man. Is it for actually helping this homeless man out, or is it because there's a camera watching you and you want to look good? Or it might be a lame example, but yeah. Yeah. but it, it's that doing something without the the full heart of wanting to help that person or wanting to do this for the right thing, you're doing it to just get ahead. <laughs> well, you're doing it for recognition. Yeah. You're doing it for the pat on the back, the good job, I'm so proud of you. Motives you, you that are not supposed to be what they're supposed to be. So, Paul switches now to verse 17. He switches to talk to the Jews. He goes back, he, talk, he was talking to the Gentiles for a little section there. He's now switching to talk to the Jewish community to... Uh, those who have the law. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure 
that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment and knowledge of truth. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Last little section there, Austin, you talked about that God will bless nations through Abraham, through the nation of Israel. Well, also the the Jews can also bring dishonor to the nations because of their sin and their pride and their arrogance. Yeah. And they give can give God a bad name. I mean, what what's the one thing we hear as Christians from unbelievers? The church is full of what? Hypocrites. Hypocrites, right? People who say one thing and do the exact opposite. People who, I mean, Paul lays it out perfectly right here. People who talk about not committing adultery and yet cheat on their spouses. People who preach against stealing but embezzle money from the church or embezzle money from charity or use their ministry to get rich. People who talk about love and acceptance and and grace, yet offer none of that to those who mess up. That is exactly what Paul's talking about here. It's like, you know the law, you boast in the law, you boast in God, you approve what he says, you, you, you know it's right, and yet... Everything you teach, you do. Everything you speak out against, you do, and you practice. Because they possessed the law, the Jews were confident that they were spiritually superior teachers, guides to blind pagans, wise in God's ways and able to teach babes. That's an excerpt from John MacArthur. Uh, And that's what it was. They thought they were superior to everyone else because they had the law. When they should have been humble that they had the law and realize it was a responsibility to bring it. Well, and also understand that it doesn't exclude them from judgment. Right, yeah. doesn't exclude them from God's wrath. In fact, it probably gives them less of an excuse to... Well, they will incur a harsher they judgment. Will, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Verse 25. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So, if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So, this, this isn't really a debate of, and again, we're not going to get into this, <laughs> if men should be circumcised or not circumcised anymore. That this, this is not a debate we're having. This is merely... I think Carter wants to have that debate. I don't know. You want to talk about it, Carter? Do you have strong feelings on this one, Carter? No. <laughs> <laughs> this is talking about man's heart. Yeah. This is talking about the Jews that were circumcised thinking that basically a baby boy was born eight days later, 
you were the boy was circumcised, therefore he was dedicated, and now he's a Jew, so therefore he's saved. He's good. He he is good to eternal life, as in today, uh, mainly uh, Catholic Church. You dedicate a child, you baptize, sprinkle that child. That child's good, like good to eternal life. No, and that's what he's saying. No, that that is not the case. That is a sign. That is a sign to show your obedience. But what I also take from this is it's a failure of the father. That circumcision for your son, you are meant to teach your son what that means as they grow up. And if you do not truly teach your son what that means, they grow up thinking what everyone else is thinking that, oh, yeah, I'm good because I'm circumcised. I'm I'm part of the circumcision party. And I think part of this, too, Paul's getting into a little bit, almost a racial issue here where... Some of the whoa, the whoa, whoa, not racial, ethnicity. Oh, sorry. Okay, there you go. There you go. Right. No such thing as racism. You're right. All right, let me start. I'm gonna over. throw that one out there. You're right. Let me start over. No, no, let's keep it. Okay, fine. I'll keep it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna take out all your messages. Right? Yeah, just leave all that's exactly there. right. That's how this works. That's yeah. why I have the power of editing so I can make myself look a lot better. No, <laughs> no. So I think Paul's talking about ethnicity here, and, and he's yep. getting into this idea of ethnic superiority. The Jews, especially your, your Pharisees and, and your um, leaders of religious teaching and your high thinkers, your theologians of the day, all felt that because they were Jewish and circumcised, they were superior to anyone else. And so they were demanding in that time that Gentiles who wanted to come to Christ and wanted to become believers, they demanded that they need to be, they have to be circumcised. No matter how old they were, no matter how painful that would be, they have to be circumcised because, well, circumcised people are superior. And Paul is is kind of, Paul is throwing some water on that fire. He is saying, no, no, that is, that is not the point. The point is obedience. The point is knowing the law, knowing God's standard, and and striving to live up to that standard and live up to that law. Being a Jew will not necessarily save, and being a Gentile does not necessarily condemn. That is what Paul is getting at in this in this section here, is that just because you're a Jew and you're circumcised doesn't mean you're automatically saved. Just because you're a Gentile and not circumcised doesn't mean you're automatically condemned. We are now under grace, under the work of Christ, Jew and Gentile, circumcised and uncircumcised. So, verse 25, for circumcision indeed is a value, if... You obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision because um, becomes uncircumcision. By that, if you be uncircumcised of the heart, as in you know the truth, okay? You grew up with the truth. You know it. But you do not keep the law. You you break the law. You Therefore, you, you're basically counted as an unbeliever, right? Because yeah. you know this. And again, talking about incurring judgment on yourself, you know the law. You have been taught, you know scripture, you know the gospel. And if you disobey it, you incur a greater judgment on yourself than those who do not know it. So that is very important. We need to keep that in mind, especially as believers, as Christians. Yeah, well, the Lord looks at the heart. Man man looks at appearance, man looks at the outward appearance, the Lord looks at the heart. Yeah, circumcision is a matter of the heart. Verse 29, by the Spirit, not by the letter, his praise is not from man, but from God. And that's it. We need to be searching praise from God, not from man. 
So I think today we can look at this in light of some of the tensions that we're seeing in, in, in America specifically when it comes to race and ethnicity. All right, we're, we're seeing this goal and this desire to separate everyone by the color of their skin right now. Mm-hmm. It, it's evil. It's not right. And, and this speaks to that. This section of, of scripture that in, in Romans 2 speaks to that idea that your ethnicity, and I know you don't necessarily like this, this word, but your race doesn't matter in God's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Your outward appearance does not matter to God. Now, of course, we get into modesty and get into that sort of thing and gluttony and all that. I, yes, I understand that. But when it comes to who you are as, a, as an individual, whether you're black, white, Asian, Hispanic, whatever nationality, no matter where you come from, that doesn't, what matters is your heart. Well, it goes back to, we were all made in the image of God. Yeah, it doesn't matter what color you are. You were made in the image of God. Now, if you follow God versus you follow the ways of the devil, Jesus says either you're my children or you're the children of the devil. Those who are believers are, they're the children of God. If you are not a believer, you're not a child of God. So that scripture backs that up. Doesn't matter what color you are. Doesn't matter where you're from. Yeah. You are either, or either saved or, or unsaved. You yeah. are either a believer or not a non-believer. Black, red, white, pink, yellow, purple. You, we're all one. Yeah. And when it comes to the way God looks at us, he looks at us as his children or, or, or those who are lost. Yeah. And a, kind of a caveat that, <laughs> explaining i hate the word racism because there is no such thing as racism why because we're all one race how can we have racism against our own race there's only one race if if you come to me and show me an alien race then we got bigger issues here. right but uh we're all part of the human race so it's ethnicities yeah it, it, it's pigment it's skin pigmentate pigmentation yeah that's all, that's all it is it's Mel- the only difference between no, melanin right? between us that's it. Well, so well, more accurately, the difference between us is: do you have the Holy Spirit or don't you? So, guys, that was Romans two. That was that was awesome. Uh, great discussion. Great chapter. Paul is uh, kind of digging in on making sure we are not self righteous. We are not teaching and then living exactly the opposite of what we're teaching. He's making sure that we understand that we are one race. That it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile. What matters is if you are a believer, a follower of Christ or not. Yeah. And um, Christians, don't be a hypocrite. <clears throat> Do not be pointing out unbelievers' sins. That's not your that's not your job. But we are to keep each other accountable. Exactly. Exactly. There's a balance. There's always a balance. Every, everything in life is a balance. And that's what this is. So uh, what is our homework, Carter? No. I'm doing this on my own. You don't get to transition me this time. <laughs> I got it. I have homework this week. Um, so again, you're going to have to read the chapter that we just read Romans two, and let's see, I have, okay. I have three questions, but I don't, I'm not going to ask all three. Should I pick two? Is that too many? Pick how many, one, two or three. I'm good with I'm any doing one. 18 questions. Do now. 18 questions. Let's go. <laughs> Do all three. Let's go. Do all three. All right, fine. You got three questions this week. It's a, it's a heavy homework week. Why is it useful to learn of God's judgment? How does it affect how we tell others about Jesus? And the second one. When do you find yourself trusting in your knowledge of Jesus rather than a relationship with Jesus? Take a second to define those words and know the difference of relationship and knowledge. And then 
In what ways are you hypocritical, and can you escape the judgment of God if you do these things? So I don't know if I want to do those. That homework. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm busy this week. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't um... Yeah. Well, there's your answer for the guy that emailed us. We, don't, we, don't, we just don't do homework. <laughs> Golly. Yeah. All right, fine, Carter. Gosh. Well, good stuff, guys. Um, yeah, I mean, just <laughs> what a what a note to leave on. I mean, that's a very convicting group of questions you have there, Carter. Th- honestly, thank you for that. Um, it is needed. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to next Tuesday because yeah. we get into God's righteousness upheld. Nice. So that chapter three, I think it's going to be a pretty good one. Yeah. Very exciting stuff. Well, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting us. Thanks for your feedback. Uh, we will be back on Thursday with another topic. We're going to talk about spiritual warfare and what that looks like and what that means. And and some examples of it. We're, we're going to get into it, but we also realize that this is a, a conversation that is more like a several week topic. So we're just going to, we're going to present it to you as a refresher, get your mind thinking that way, give you a few ways to dive in deeper because again, rooted, but yeah. And we're also going to ask or answer the question that was posed to us by Don last week. So we're going to get into that. So guys, subscribe, like, give us a five-star review. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash rooted in logos. Visit our website, email us, text us, message us, interact with us, pretend you like us. <laughs> Stay rooted, guys. <laughs> Stay rooted. We'll see you Thursday. Thank you for listening to our show. If you enjoyed what you heard, like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. You can find us on Apple, Google, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram at Rooted in Logos Pod, or even on our website, www.rootedinlogospod.com. And if you want to support us financially, visit us at patreon.com slash rootedinlogos.